People Talking People is a part of the Wander Barn Podcast Network. You can check out other podcasts on travel, yoga, health, and business over at wanderbarn.com. That's W-A-N-D-E-R-B-A-R-N.com. Communication. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about communication, something all of us probably should be learning about on a regular basis, myself included. I feel like I'm learning something all the time related to communication. And here we are in a time when communication is just so important um, because of the fact that we aren't physically seeing each other quite as much, right? So this really does change things and disrupt things. So I don't even have notes for this conversation today. I'm just going to sort of talk and go at it. But there's definitely some key things that I am hoping that we will cover. Um, There is a big difference between the body language that we see physically when we're in the room with someone and that we feel over the phone when we can't actually see them. And even that we see when we're on Zoom, right? So I'm going to use Zoom as the example, but like when we all have a box, we all have a square. So we all have a square. What is that body language that you can see And what is the body language that you can't see and kind of why does that matter? So I want to talk a little bit about body language. And then I want to talk about clear and transparent and good communication. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then the last piece is also around this concept of volume of communication, okay? Um, Because there's sort of two ways that I want to address it, one being... um, that it's a good thing to have a high volume and one being that it's a bad thing to be a high volume. So I'm going to contradict myself a little bit, but I'm hopeful that you'll kind of see the difference, uh, if you will, between the two. So um, let's actually start off with this volume component because I think it's a really kind of fun one to touch on. So when we talk about communication, we talk about do we want to communicate more and more and more, because the more we communicate, the more likely the message will be heard and received. Matter of fact, I even use this term with my own clients sometimes, like seven times, seven ways, communicate the message, seven different ways, seven different times. The idea being this volume will allow it to sink in. And there is truth to that, right? There is absolutely truth to that. The more something is communicated, the more likely it will be to finally sink in or be heard, right? But with communication in general, we want to make sure that even though we are not the person on the other end that's doing the listening, how do we support them to be the best type of active listener that they can be? So how can I set them up for success so that from a volume perspective, when I am communicating, I no longer feel like it needs to be seven times seven ways, um, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, but it can be just such a good high quality message that is heard properly that I don't need to communicate it a million different times, a million different ways. So when it comes to personal life, work, fill in the blank, doesn't matter. When you are having a conversation with an individual, assuming one-on-one first, just because that's easiest for us to to dialogue about here today. When you are having that conversation one-on-one, what are you doing to set that individual on the other end up for success? So perfect example. Let's say you walk into the living room and you want to talk to your your partner and they're sitting there watching TV and you just start talk, 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 talk. Well, they're not set up for success. They're like half watching TV. They're half listening to you. You know, they're not focused. So if you need to be having a really important conversation, it's probably important for you to say something like, hey, would you mind if we just 
chatted for 10 minutes and turned the TV off. I just, I have something really important I want to talk to you about, right? So there's no reason that you can't, again, help set them up for success. Can we turn this TV off? Can you be fully present and fully engaged on me? So if you see that they're distracted, you have two options. You either one, ask them to put their attention on you, which may or may not be received well, right? Depending on the situation, depending on what they're doing. Or two, you can just choose to wait until it's clear that they are available and they are going to be listening and they are going to be paying attention. So that's on you a little bit as well. So if someone is watching TV, do you really go bother them? Or you, do you wait till they're sitting somewhere quietly and you can tell that they're not distracted, you know, or they've come to you with something that they want to talk about and they're clearly focused and they're going to be there. So the thing with active listening is it's not about just hearing the message. Like it's not about just turning the volume down on the TV. It's about making sure that they understand the message. So how can you possibly comprehend messages when you have multiple bits of noise coming at you from different scenarios? So how will you help the person on the other end to be a better active listener, to be fully present, to be engaged? How will you help them to understand what you're saying, not just hear what you are saying? So setting that individual up for success as much as possible. What is your role in that and how can you be a part of that? Okay, so assuming that we are now sort of like set up for success um, and, and there's a little bit of that real active listening going on, that they're understanding, et cetera. What is your role, and this kind of goes back to that part two of what I was talking about as well, in communicating clearly so that they will understand exactly what you are saying again? So again, volume, you know, it's not about, I'm going to say this a million times. I'm going to put in a million words. I want to be the smartest person in the room, or I'm going to text you, Slack you, email you, all this stuff, right? It's not about like filling the person up with stuff and words. It's about making sure that it's very, very clearly, clearly communicated. You're being transparent. You're being vulnerable, all of those words so that they understand and feel what it is. So when we talk about communicating clearly, you need to make sure you know what you're communicating clearly. Like if you're fumbling for your words, they're going to fumble to understand, you know, logically, that just makes sense. So are you prepping beforehand? Are you making sure that the message that you want to, sh to share is actually going to be the message that is shared? Have you ever sat down to have a conversation with someone and you're kind of like, well, this is sort of what I'm thinking and da, 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 da. And your, your brain is sort of going all over the place and you're essentially thinking as you're speaking. Well, put yourself in their shoes. How confusing would that be for them on the other end where there's trying to follow your thoughts, what you just jump from here to here. Um, they're probably not quite understanding the message. It's not sinking in or it just doesn't mean something to them um, or they're willing to just sit there and listen to you talk it out. But then by the end, what key pieces were they actually supposed to retain and did they retain them? Because they were present. They were a body for you to talk at as you were talking through it. But what were those key messages? So if you do that thing where you bounce all over because that's part of your process, make sure that A, they know that's part of your process. And B, when you get to the end, you can kind of stop, take a deep breath and go, okay. So in summary, the key messages of what I just said were that so at least you can kind of like circle back to the stuff that's really important. So that is really kind of lumping together those that second component I talked about and that third component I talked talked about. Make sure your communication is clear. Make sure communication is sending the right message and that 
you are sort of affirming it, summarizing, paraphrasing. Again, I, I harp on this like active listening thing, but help them be that active listener. Are they hearing you? Like are the words going in their ear or are they actually understanding the words? They're going in your ear, they're going to your brain, their brain, and they're taking an action based off of it. So set them up for success to listen to you well and to make sure that the communication is being heard super, super well. Okay, so I kind of did a big full circle thing and lost track of the volume. So I want to touch back on the volume. This is more uh, the second piece to volume that I want to talk about is almost like a little bit more related to the workspace. Um, really relevant if you are a leader or manager, not necessarily um, irrelevant if you aren't, but just kind of keeping that in mind for those of you who are kind of wearing that leadership or manager hat. This is um, a message that I really just want to make sure that you hear. So communication. We always talk about seven times, seven ways. I've mentioned that multiple times now, but again, the idea being almost like over-communicate. You can't, there's a, there's a fine line between over-communicating and communicating too much, but it's very rarely crossed. So the communicating too much does not happen unless it's really just a message that people don't want to hear. They don't like the message. Like this is when you're starting to get into that kind of danger zone. So you might have to be a little bit careful depending on the message that you're trying to communicate. But if you're just trying to communicate processes, procedures, things we do, how we do them, you can't really over communicate them too much. You just have to be careful that we're not going into that line in that space of micromanagement or, you know, those kind of lines that might paint a picture for you as a leader that you don't want to have painted. But in general, just kind of keep that in mind. Over communicating is better Think about how many times you feel like you've communicated a message a bunch and then the action or the result did not happen. You're like, how did people not get this? I communicate, I said it in the meeting, I emailed it. Like, how are they not getting it? Well, it just wasn't enough, right? So amp it up, amp it up, ramp it up. It wasn't enough or it wasn't the right message the right way. It wasn't clearly communicated or they were distracted, right? I go back to the active listening component. They weren't hearing and understanding the message properly, but Remember, if we're thinking about ourselves, you have to be able to say, what is my impact in that situation? How can I make sure this was under, can be understood better in the future? How can I make sure that I communicate this better? It's not about them. It might be about them just enough to help you recognize how you can help them, but you need to be thinking about the pieces that you can control. So if they didn't hear the message properly, how can you be better at communicating it? If they didn't understand the message, how can you be better at communicating it? So again, putting it back on yourself to make sure that it's on you to be a little bit better. Okay, but here, once again, circling back to the point I was trying to make around volume, the other thing that leaders sometimes do when I, especially when I tell them this like seven times, seven ways, over-communicate, they don't always do it effectively. They aren't thinking before they're acting. So they might just start, emailing every single thing that they want people to know, slacking every single thing that they want people to know. And using that a little bit as a crutch to kind of do some of that versus the actual conversation that they're going to be having um, with the individual. So ideally, we're still having that face-to-face -face conversation or, or really phone is fine. So, but, but my point being where words will be spoken, words will be heard type of conversation, not just solely communicating via Slack, messenger, email, text. This is a very easy crutch for us to fall into in this virtual workspace. So we might actually be communicating more than ever right now. 
because we're sending our teams emails, we're sending them Slack messages, we're on Slack channels, we're texting them, we're doing check-ins via email, they're sending us um, 515 reports every day, like whatever, like we're doing all this like constant check-in with each other because we don't see each other, because we're not the water cooler, right? All of this. So we might actually be communicating more but is it good communication? Is it the right communication? Are we in communication overload? I don't know about you, but when I get too many emails in my inbox, like I just kind of freeze. It's a little bit of like analysis paralysis. It's it's the, you know, having clutter on your desk sort of forces us to not be able to actually just sit down and get work done. Outer order, inner peace, outer order, inner peace. So are we communicating so much that it's just becoming noise? And it's not value added. So how do you make sure that we avoid the noise and we shift it back into it being value added communication? I know I'm talking about this in the work sense, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is the same thing from a personal standpoint as well. Um, I am on Zoom pretty much all day. So I'll be honest, the last thing I want to do is get on Zoom at the end of the day and have a Zoom happy hour with friends or a Zoom chat with my parents. Like, it just doesn't feel like fun to me because I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being on the computer. But does that mean that the way that I'm communicating needs to take a backseat, like needs to not be valuable? No, it still needs to be extremely valuable. And if it's going to be via text, if it's going to be via email, if it's going to be via Slack, if it's going to be whatever, point being, if it's going to be some other form that's not this verbal or visual communication with each other, that I need to make sure it's extremely valuable. I'm not just like sending a note that says, oh, hey, sorry, I'm still here or something along those lines. Like make it intentional, make it intentional, make it as intentional as possible. Um, If you are just constantly texting people saying, I'm really sorry, I haven't been able to talk with you. I'm really sorry. Eventually it's going to not mean anything to them, right? So If you are sorry, take an action and do something about it or just change the communication and make it more valuable. Like, hey, don't have time for a Zoom call or I'm totally exhausted on Zoom, but here's everything that's going on in my life. Just thought you might like to see it, hear it, whatever. Like find some other creative ways to communicate, maybe even through pictures or something like, here's what I'm doing today, you know, whatever, and just send someone a photo. But make sure it's still valuable. So it's not about volume. Uh, You don't win an award for the most letters written, the most emails sent, and the most text messages sent to your your family and friends. You win the awards for the most valuable time and for giving them that, that sense of connection to you that they really need, crave, want, desire. All of us need, crave, want, desire. So be thinking about that too. So is the volume wasteful? Is the volume helpful? Is the volume just consuming more of my time? If I spend two hours of my week sending all these non-value added messages, that's two hours I could have carved out to have a really great one-on-one conversation with someone on a Zoom or on a phone call instead. So really where and how am I spending my time? And could I possibly be using it in a better way? Using it in a better way. Okay, so that really kind of touches on part two and three of what I said in the beginning. The only other thing I wanted to touch on was this body language piece because we're living on Zoom. And it looks very different when we're living on Zoom than it does when we're all sitting in a meeting. You know, you've got your box, so you probably can see 
let's see, I don't know, you know, about shoulders, just a little below the shoulders, um, really not maybe even like neckline, basically, um, to the top of the head. And depending on how people are sitting or what they're doing, if they're on a, a on a standing treadmill walking, maybe you can see the top half of their body. <laughs> but the idea is you're still going to have this very different body language. And not only that, here's the other thing that's interesting is we're not necessarily sitting like I'm sitting right now at a desk in a chair, but not everyone is doing that, right? Some people are walking. Some people are sitting um, on a couch. Um, some people are sitting on the floor. Some people have their computers propped up over in this weird section with a strange angle. Like there is going to be different angles, different quantities of us that you're seeing. And then we individually are going to be doing different things. There's even going to be times where someone might be cooking their lunch in the kitchen, whether they've got the video on and you can see it or not will be a different thing. But all of those things are going to impact the body language, the way that they show up, what you see from them on the screen. So when we think about body language and kind of reading body language from others, the reality is you're not going to be able to read their body language in the same way. So simplistically, if we're thinking of like a staff meeting, let's say as a manager, they're presenting something and we're in a conference room and there's people surrounding the room in chairs. They can kind of, as they're presenting something, they can look around. They can see who's crossing their arms, who's crossing their legs, who's slunged forward, who's slunged back, um, who has a confused look on their face, who's looking at their phone, who's taking notes, who's talking to the person next to them. Like there's all of these things that they can observe to determine how well they're communicating, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what's important is is everyone hearing the message that I'm communicating right now? Is it sinking in? How well am I communicating externally out to everybody that's in this room? Again, we're thinking about what can I impact? What can I control? It's not how well are they listening to me, but it's how well am I communicating to them that they are wanting to listen, that they are present, you know, all of that. So how can I do that better job on my end? We can read those signals. We can read those signs. In a meeting, you know, I just gave the example of a manager, but anyone, any one of us, right? We can see our peers, we can see our our bosses, we can we can see how everyone is interpreting what it is that we're saying. When we are on a video conference call, if someone's camera's off, you can't see anything for one, or there's no camera at all. Maybe we're on just like a conference line number, right? There's no camera at all, we're just voices. You cannot see people's body language when that's happening. And then when we do have the camera on and we're in our little Zoom square you really can't see the body language either. Typically you can tell if someone is focused on you versus reading an email or, you know, distracted on their screen, like where they're still looking straight into the camera, but you know, you kind of get a vibe like, ah, oh, they're not looking at me right now. They're looking at some presentation or something like that. So you can kind of pick up on some of those cues, especially now that all of us are doing this frequently enough that we're able to tell a little bit better. Um, you can tell when the, the lighting changes, right? When people switch screens, it goes a little bit lighter, a little bit darker, a little bit lighter, a little bit darker. So you can kind of tell there's little triggers and things that are going to be happening and going on. But as I'm sitting here at my desk and looking from like neckline up, I can see that I can't see my hands below and I might be making gestures. I might be uh, fidgeting. I might be kicking. I may like, who knows? What are all those other like little body language triggers that I am missing out on. So communication looks different when you can't get a good feel for the body language. So either A, 
learn what those triggers are for those people that you know. So if you could tell, um, you're starting to get to know Bob well enough or Sally well enough that when they get disengaged, their eyes go up to the top right or their left shoulder slumps down a little bit or they, they start standing up and sitting down because their energy is not good or something, right? Like you can start to get to know the individuals well enough. And if you haven't figured that out yet, start focusing on just like one person at a time. Like if I'm constantly always in a meeting with Bob and I need to get some real clarity around how Bob shows up, what Bob looks like in this meeting, just spend a week or two observing Bob. Like there's no reason you can't do that. We're in this for the long haul. So if you spend a week or two just getting to know one person, no big deal, right? That's time well spent. So start observing their behaviors. What do, what does their body language show up like in meetings now? And you're going to have some people where, there's almost nothing to observe. Like they're just, they're there and and that's it. So the question then becomes for these individuals, how engaged are they? So how can you ensure that they're actively listening to you, right? So are you checking for understanding with them? You know, what are those kind of tricks and tactics that you can reverse around a little bit just to ensure that they are focused and receiving the message? So communication, fun one to talk about today from a body language perspective, Don't hesitate to spend that time sort of individually observing people's behaviors so that you know how to best support them going forward. You know how to tell when they're engaged or not engaged or to use some of your own skills of reversing the active listening around and making sure that you're helping them to be those best listeners that they can be and that you can put that onus back on yourself to say, how can I make sure I'm communicating in such a great way, a clear way, a transparent way, a vulnerable way, a powerful and impactful way that I don't even need to worry about that, right? That the message is just automatically sinking in and clearly being heard because I did such a good job of communicating it. So when it comes to communication, although it's a two-way street, right? There's me and there's the person on the other end. Just really think about what are the things that I can do to impact? How can I show up better? How can I communicate more clearly? How can I change my frequency? How can I change my volume? How can I make it quality? What are those things that I can do? So shift that a little bit onto you and be thinking about what you can do to make your communication even better in this crazy remote world. Um, If you have some other ideas uh, or thoughts outside of what I've talked about today, hop on over to LinkedIn and share them. I'd love to hear um, some perspectives from some other individuals, maybe even just things that you've struggled with, with communication in this remote world. And we can kind of dive in and talk about that more in a future episode. So hope you enjoy the communicating. Um, Go observe body language, go have clear and transparent communication and communicate that perfect amount volume wise (laughs) and good luck and happy communicating. Head on over to wanderbarn.com slash people talking people to learn more about the show and check out other great shows in the network. This episode of People Talking People was produced and edited by Jermaine McClellan, aka the Afrocentric Jukebox.